Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. Let's get hold of our Bibles and open to the Gospel of John, please, as we continue our uh, study of this book called Authentic Jesus. We're in the Upper Room Discourse, and this section of John is called Authentic Oneness. Now, um, I'm going to pray at the end of the message, so I'm going to jump right in and just read the Scripture first of all. If you were away last week, um, we'll have some review for you. Uh, John 15, 1. Ready to jump? Say it. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser, Jesus said. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. <clears throat> Neither can you unless you abide in me. <clears throat> I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, last time uh, we uh, studied that that really is the anchor verse, the hub of the wheel, if you will, around which all of the spokes gather. Uh, John 15, 11, he tells us why he's saying what he's saying. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, um, note this. Uh, not all secrets are meant to be kept. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, I get it. If a friend shares a confidence, um, you guard that with your life. And someone says, can I trust you with this? And you say yes. You, you wouldn't let that out for anything. But sometimes a secret uh, doesn't mean a confidence concealed. Sometimes it means a truth neglected, uh, a key that must be unlocked. And that's the reason why we're calling these secrets neglected truths, roads less traveled. Uh, this passage, as I shared last time, has been uh, probably more influential in my understanding of the Christian life than any a passage I've ever studied. And, and so Jesus here is saying it really is all about the joy. The secret of living uh, is joy. Now, um, we're just reviewing from last time. Uh, keep in mind that this is not small talk, what Jesus is sharing here. Uh, they are on the road to the cross. They've left the upper room. They're walking briskly, I'm sure, toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to be arrested and everything else is going to unfold. He's just probably less than an hour or two away from sweating great drops of blood. So um, let's be reminded of our joy definition. If the secret to living is joy, what is joy? Well, joy is, uh, we spent a lot of time on this last time, so I'll just say it. Joy is a supernatural delight in the person of God, in the purposes of God, and in the people of God. Another way of saying that uh, is that there is a, listen now, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's a fountain 
so to speak, metaphorically speaking. There's a fountain uh, inside of you. Jesus said to the woman who'd had five husbands at the well, remember, John 14, he said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him, there's the fountain, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now hear this, that's the Christian life. The fountain of Jesus Christ inside you and me. If you have turned from your sin, wasn't that a great testimony we heard on that video? Like that man and his wife, the day that they came and, 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 and turned from their sin and embraced Jesus Christ, you could see it on their faces. There's a fountain inside them. And, and it's welling up and it, it's bursting forth and it's giving them a joy. They can't, they can't contain the tears. They can't hold back the sense of something awesome that Christ is doing in them. Now that is not something he gives you. That is him in you. The joy of Jesus Christ transcends everything. Circumstances can't push it out. Disappointment can't dilute it. Pain can't penetrate it. Temptation can't trump it. Failure can't freeze it. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. All right, that's the joy of Jesus Christ. And that is the secret to living. If you have it, you have everything, even if you have nothing. And if you don't have it, you have nothing, no matter what you have. And you say, well, I want it. That gets us into chapter 15, verse one. The secret to joy is fruit bearing. What really turns on the fountain of joy is this thing called bearing fruit. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Lest there be any confusion. This is not a about farming. Just as pear trees have pears and cherry trees have cherries and watermelon patches have watermelons, Christians bear fruit too. If you are rooted in the vine that is Jesus Christ, there's gonna be fruit. And we spent some time going over that. I actually have in my, where Kathy and I used to live, we have had a grapevine. And, and every year we would go out and, and uh, cause, I, cause my dad was a school teacher and he did a lot of canning. And so because my dad did a lot of canning, um, I just, Grew up with corn in the freezer and peas in the freezer and chili sauce and jams of various kinds. It's just a huge, huge deal at our house. So I just couldn't let these grapes fall on the ground and rot. So I had to learn how to make a grape jelly. And so every year, well, Kathy reminds me she does a little more of the picking than I do, but I, I'm more the skilled labor. And 100% I'll regret saying that. And, 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 uh, so we, anyway, they get all cleaned up and then, we, then you gotta mash them all down and you gotta boil it down and then you gotta bring it to a boil. How many people have ever made grape jelly? It's quite a deal. It's more than jam by a lot, by a lot. And, and anyway, so we call, our, we call our grape jelly grapes of wrath. <laughs> and and uh, um, we've been doing that since 2005. 
So um, I thought I'm going I'm to give this away to somebody. Who, not by putting your hand up, yo. <laughs> Who can say the theme verse for the Gospel of John? Anybody? You got it? Let's hear it. These are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that by believing you might have life in his name. Nicely done. So if you can understand uh, that illustration, you understand how, 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 how sad and disappointing it would be to have a, a grapevine and a trellis and the leaves and the flowers and then you walk out in early September, maybe a week after Labor Day, and there's nothing on the vine. You say, something is wrong here, something is wrong. You go see if the branches somehow got disconnected and if you understand that analogy, you understand what Jesus is trying to say here, Christians bear fruit. Last week we went down the list. I'll just read it as quick as I can. Um, uh, leading people, of course, winning souls to Jesus, personal holiness, uh, giving financially. We had scriptures for all of this last time. Godly character, the fruits of the Spirit, of course. Uh, good works, sacrificial worship. I'm going to add a seventh one. There's ten. This is not a comprehensive list. Do your own word study in the New Testament on the word fruit. Make your own list. Christians bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, if you're not increasing in fruit, you're not connected to the life of the vine. It's not fun saying that. I just, I love you and care about you and I want you to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Now, not perfectly do we bear fruit, but increasingly. If you like to jot things down, jot that down. Not perfectly, but increasingly. I can't be struggling with all the same old things. I have to see growth, change in my life. And here's the seventh one that I... I didn't give last week. Uh, Matthew 3, 8 says, uh, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, repentance, honestly, is the sort of the summa cum laude of change. I was going along this way. I was doing this. I was doing that. But I repented. I changed my mind. Now, for everybody who gives a tearful, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, how do you know if they're sorry? Watch for the fruits of repentance. You have to forgive and you have to love, but at the end of the day, Jesus said, Matthew 7, by their fruits, you'll know them. And so you know if a person is really repentant, if you see the, say it, if you see the fruit, Matthew 3, 8, by their fruits, uh, you will know them. You say, well, what fruits do you have in mind exactly? All right, uh, let's put these up. Uh, these are uh, AAA uh, fruits of repentance, okay? I'm just going to give you three. I could give you a lot more, but uh, these are irrefutable, uh, biblical evidence of, of uh, fruit, uh, the fruit of repentance. Uh, here's the first one, acknowledging sin openly. See, when you're struggling, when you're battling, when you're resisting, when you're refusing, um, you, you, that's why church should be a really messy place. There's supposed to be a house full of repentant people. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Anyone in favor of that? Yeah. Than over, a, a, and over a, a church full of religious people who think they don't have anything to repent about. So the first thing is just the open acknowledgement of sin. I was, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about that. And, and sadly, there's a lot of people who, who 
say they're sorry, but they're not really sorry. Watch for the fruit. There's one of the first fruits. Just, you, just no more explaining. No more guilty with an explanation. Just an just a open acknowledgement of sin, which here's the second AAA uh, fruits of repentance, the absence of rationalization. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, yeah, 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 that's wrong, but you got to understand it's, it's my past, it's my parents, it's my problems, it's my, what's another word, pajamas. <laughs> it's, 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 in, it's something back there, I don't know what. David hid his sin for a whole year of adultery and murder. And when he was done with it, when he really repented, he wrote Psalm 51, read it sometime, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And they're just, you're just done with it. You're done with all the reasons. You're done with all the explanations. You're just done with it. When you repent, look for the fruits of repentance, AAA fruits of repentance, acknowledging sin openly, absence of rationalization, and then this, active restitution. Well, I, I just want to be right with God. No, you, no, you want to go back and tell your ex-wife what a, what a fool you were. You want to write a letter to your dad and say how sorry you were. When you see your sin, you acknowledge it openly. You're not explaining it away, not guilty with an explanation, not anymore. Just guilty. My part, my fault, my part, my fault. And then you want to be right with the people that your sin injured. And so you make a phone call, you write a letter, you make a contact appropriate to the relationship. I'm not asking you to go back to things. Maybe there's some people you shouldn't be going back to and sitting down with personally. Maybe that, that, that kind of relationship is gone. But you can write a note. You, you can pass that message through someone else. Use wisdom. But that's a... Okay, so. The secret to living is joy. The secret to joy is fruit-bearing. I've given you seven things that should be increasing in the life of a follower of Jesus. How's that going? You say, well, I, I want to bear fruit. I want to bear more fruit. But, but here it is. The secret to fruit bearing is abiding. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to pick up that theme. I mentioned here seven times in three and a half verses. Starting in verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, <laughs> then he won't bear fruit. So he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. A picture of hell, clearly. Fruitless people are unsaved people and they go where people who have never been forgiven go. Heaven is prepared for those who through repentance and faith have received the free gift of salvation offered in Jesus. That sentence could change your life. And then you'll begin to experience the secret of living, which is joy. And the secret central part of that is fruit bearing. And the secret to fruit bearing is this abiding in Jesus. The word there means to remain, to lean in, to stay close. It's proximity language. We stay close to Jesus. Think of the biblical analogies. Walking with Christ, fellowshipping with Christ, filled with his spirit. All right? Now, this is not something elusive. Abiding in Jesus is not something elusive. You can do it. I've been doing it this week. 
abiding in Jesus, resting in him, pushing on to him all that would burden me, taking off of him all of the strength he would give me to live for him. Abiding in Jesus, what an awesome, awesome thing. Leaning into your love relationship with him. Notice verse 9, which says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now that's where we wrapped up last time. And um, ready for some new content? All right, here it is. He's like, I want to abide, I want to abide. Is there anything? Here it is. The secret to abiding uh, is obeying. The secret to abiding is obeying. That's why it says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, that's obedience, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Say it. The secret to abiding is? Obeying. Say it again. The secret to abiding is All right, now, I'd like to just use this balloon to demonstrate your enthusiasm for this two-part series on the secret to joy. It goes like this. So my first point, the secret to living is joy. That's you guys. Pretty fired up. like that one a lot. Everybody in favor of joy? Everybody likes that. All right, so the secret to joy is, I forgot. Thank you. It's fruit bearing, and I explained it. We understand what it is. All in favor of fruit bearing? Everybody's like, oh, I'm really into this cereal. I might get this CD and give it to my mom. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, now, um, the secret to um, fruit bearing is being close to Jesus, walking with him. How many people like that part? Right, so I'm... Then I'm like, and the secret to abiding is obeying. Everyone's like, really? Really, I have to obey? Obeying? The secret to abiding? I knew this was gonna be a train wreck. It always comes down to obeying. I gotta obey him? And all God's people said, eh? right. It's like, ah, ah, I have to obey. I've done a lot of teaching on uh, what I would call obedience, you know. I call out something we're, we're supposed to do that we're supposed to obey the Lord in. Come on, just call out something. Love one another, you're in. Okay, so love one another, you know, and that's good. It's going good. How's that going? It's going good. I've got to love everyone. I've got to love everyone all the time. Just stay focused. I've got to love everyone all the time. That's going pretty good. But then someone says, you know, I've got to love everyone. And I gotta tell the truth. Okay, I gotta concentrate. Love everyone and tell the truth. Love everyone and tell the truth. Love everyone and tell the truth. How's that going? You should be fairly impressed with that. I mean, love everyone, tell the truth. Love everyone, tell the truth. Stay focused. Love everyone, tell the truth. Say it. Now, I'm gonna need some help with this, so I'm gonna ask uh, my buddy uh, John here, one of our elders. He said it was okay if I embarrassed him a bit. Come on up here, John. I need another command for him, though. So like, um, let me see, I wrote one down so I wouldn't mess this up. Love everyone, uh, tell the truth, and oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get that going. Love everyone, tell the truth. Yeah, these are good, you can do it, come on. Love everyone, tell the truth. Okay, so you got that. Juggle it, okay, you got that. Now, now um, love everyone, tell the truth, and hang on, hang on, I got something for you here. And in addition to that, we also need you to trust God completely. Ready? Wow, wow. You're making my point, but you're just doing it too early. Okay, so come on now. Love everyone, tell the truth, 
Love everyone, tell the truth. Love everyone, tell the truth. Wait, 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 and don't lust. <laughs> okay, so try it again. Come on, try it again. Love everyone, tell the truth, trust God completely. Go ahead. Love everyone, tell the truth, trust God completely, and don't lust. <laughs> All right. That, thank you, John. Let's thank John. Wasn't that good? Now, here's my point. A lot of us feel that way. Um, a lot of us feel that way as Christians. You know, I can get one thing going. I can get one or two things going. You know, if I'm really on it for a season, I can keep three things going. But as soon as that fourth thing comes in, as soon as I got a problem with somebody, as soon as I, I got a financial crisis, as soon as I got an extra thing, or as soon as I got a big temptation or something, you know, just, just something, bang, 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 and everything falls down. And here's, here's what's lost in that. When we disobey, disobedience is a functional breaking of abiding. Now, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? To forgive us, 1 John 1, 9. But if I, if I lost my temper today, if I failed to love, if I, if I told a lie, if I lusted, if I all of the long, long. Now listen, this is absolutely life-changing for me. Obedience is not a to-do list. And that's why all the air went out of the balloon. I could see it in your faces. Ah, ah, the only way to have joy, I'm going to have to obey. Because you think of obeying as all of these things that you have to remember to keep on doing. I can't keep all that up in the air. I can't be a perfect person. Correct. You cannot. The big secret that Jesus is pointing out here is emphasized again and again. Apart from me, you can do, say it. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do, say it. Nothing. Say it together. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jot these references down. One I gave a couple of weeks ago, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Philippians 2.13. God is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who has called you. He will also do it. How much pain and striving and disappointed, disappointment I could have extracted from my life and from my family and from my friends with a faithful living of that single verse. Faithful as he who has called you, he will also do it. Colossians 2.6, as you receive the Lord, how did, how did we receive the Lord? Think back to your salvation. How did you receive the Lord? Helpless, broken, unable, incapable. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to your cross I cling, right? As you receive the Lord, Colossians 2, 6, so walk in him. And we think, saved by grace, sanctified by effort, hard work, Untrue, untrue, untrue. Saved by grace, sanctified by grace. 
No more able of walking one step with Jesus than I was able of saving myself. As you receive the Lord, so walk in him. Well, 2013, uh, the end zone is now in view. And uh, not a year I'd want to live again. Um, we have such a praying people in our church. People are like, how are you? How are you doing? You know, we're praying for you. And, and uh, I'm well in spirit. Uh, broken, I would say. Um, but in a, in a good way, honestly. And just thankful for God's work in me and in our church. And thankful for God's work in so many of the people I see around me who have just like, you know, it's like we always say, you, you get better or you get what? It's really one or the other, and, and uh, I, I, I don't uh, know exactly uh, always uh, what I feel, but I don't feel any of that, thankfully, none at all. And, and uh, how are you doing? How are you doing with what's been going on in your life this year and as we head into Christmas and all of that? And maybe just pause and don't push it all off to the side and let me just ask you, how are you? And are you getting better and not bitter and letting the Lord do in us what he wants to do and letting him do through us what he wants to do? He's so clear here and unequivocal. He that bears fruit, he prunes that he may bear uh, more fruit. So when troubles come, we yield to Christ in us. And when challenges and hard times come, we yield to Christ in us. And when heartaches and temptation come, we yield to Christ in us. That's the Christian life. You say, well, trials are so tough, though, and in the moment, the pressure is so great. All right, I got, and temptation is so tough, and in the pressures, the moment is so great. All right, this, this is all through the New Testament, but I got one more for you. And just because I like to hear the pages in your Bible turn, I'm going to have you turn to one place. Ready? Go Jude. You say, what chapter? There's only one chapter in Jude. Okay, and it's an easy turn because it's the second last book in the Bible. So just start on leather and then go concordance, revelation, Jude. It's a little trick, you know. I've been doing this a while. You got Jude? Yep. Now check this. Summary. Summary. Now, to him, next three words, what are they? Who is able. Now to him who is able to keep you, turn to your neighbor and say to keep you. Keep you, keep you to keep me, right? Keep us. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us, me, you, us, blameless, who's able to keep me from stumbling? Hands up if you can keep yourself from stumbling. Nicely done. No one. Jesus can keep us from stumbling, amen? Now that's why we worship him. That's why we love him. To him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless, before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Say it. Amen. Amen. It's, it's so clear that the secret, and, and that's why, look, 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 look. It shouldn't be like, ah, ah, all the air goes out because I got to obey to abide. And if I, if, I don't, if I don't abide, I won't bear fruit. If I don't bear fruit, I won't experience joy. No, 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 no. Jesus in you is the power to and the will to obey. 
When you're abiding in Jesus, that close, personal, ongoing, listening, leaning, fellowship with him, that is the energy to do what it is he's commanded you to do. The obedience just kind of, the problem is, is we try to obey without abiding. We try to obey in our own strength. We mind over matter. I'm going to have a right attitude. I'm going to have a right attitude. But you're not closer to Jesus than you were when you were struggling with that, are you? No, I'm going to have a right attitude. I don't think it's getting better. I'm not trying to be critical. It's abiding. It's abiding that leads to obeying. And uh, if you're not obeying, um, you know, what does he say? You're, if you're not abiding, if you're not obeying, you're just like a, like a stick for the fire. Verse 8 says, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Think of it. For some reason, I can't read this passage without thinking about this guy that I went to Bible college with. Um, his name is Grant Verdolt. And he would be like 30 years in my rearview mirror, except that I just preached at a uh, pastor's training day a month or so ago up in uh, where I'm from, up in Ontario, Canada. And he was like there sitting in the third row. This guy is something else, man. And, and I remember I was a junior in college. And one of the things we, our whole college was about as many people in this room, I think. And, and, and I was in... in uh, like a junior, and so I was sitting in the back, and all the freshmen had to come up onto the platform, and they had to line up, and they were so nervous, and they had to, each one of them had to get up in front of everyone and just say a couple things about themselves, and everyone was so nervous. You could see them sweating, and their hands were shaking, and they'd never been up in front of people, and we would sit in the back and just call out funny things and make fun of them and stuff. I was in college. I, had a, I, was, a, I was a piece of work. So were you. That's why we get along. Now, so I, 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 it's crazy. I just remember this guy getting up, and he says, um, hi, my name's Grant, and uh, what do you call a stick that, what do you call, oh, I blew it. What he says, <laughs> what do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. A stick. And then he, and then he's like, ah, and he laughs so loud. And it was so stupid. And I don't have any idea, I know he loves the Lord today, I don't have any idea why I can't forget that joke. <laughs> it isn't, but I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that by just saying it, it'll go away. <laughs> what do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? Stick. What do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? Stick. And according to John 15, what you do with sticks is you throw them in the fire. They don't have any fruit, they're not rooted in Jesus. Now look, life is your opportunity to get rooted into the vine and bear some fruit for his glory. And so, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much. It's all about the fruit. That's where the joy comes from, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Now, so, the secret to living is joy. The secret to joy is fruit bearing. The secret to fruit bearing is abiding. The secret to abiding is obeying, and this is good. The secret to obeying is, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Yeah, we got that. That was the summary verse. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is known than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. Okay, so to verse 14, if you do whatever I command you. Now notice there, I, I like to circle these things in my Bible. You can do it if you figured out that it's cool to write in your Bible. Now would be a good time to do this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love again. Abide in his love that you love. I have loved greater love. Anyone picking up a theme here? Is there a theme emerging? Well, you should be able to fill in the blank yourself then. The secret to obeying is loving. Loving. You say loving who? Loving in all directions. Loving God. Uh, loving others. Loving family. Loving friends. Loving neighbors. Loving lost people. Loving enemies is kind of the graduate school of love. And, and uh, loving. The secret to obeying is loving. Want to see a trick? Got a little carried away with my visual effects in this sermon. The, the, the ideas, they come in waves, and I won't have any visual effects for like a month. But anyway, so watch this, this little trick. Can you do this? Don't try this at home. This is only for registered pyromaniacs, okay? Does anyone know why the match went out? No oxygen, right. No oxygen, no flame. No oxygen, no flame. The oxygen of the Christian life is love. No oxygen, no flame. The passion, the desire of the Christian life is love. If you're growing in love, you're throwing logs on the fire. If you're growing in resentment and hatred and unforgiveness, you're going down. You can't breathe. You're suffocating spiritually. The oxygen for the Christian life is love. Love for self is why we refuse to obey and relationship is lost. Again, love for self is why we refuse to obey and relationship is lost and fruit rots on the tree and joy leaves like a tornado, whoosh, and it's gone. Why? Because I, I do not love, I do not obey. Because I do not obey, I do not abide. And because I do not abide, I do not bear fruit. And because I do not bear fruit, joy goes like a tornado. Love is the air we breathe. Abiding in his presence and obeying his word, driven by love. I'm just telling you, I did, I was, I did not know this. I was not taught this. There's so many crazy reasons why Christians obey. And, and I want to give you three false ones and one real one. And, and hopefully this can just kind of knock some chains off of your Christian life. Now here's the first false one. Let's call this uh, ball and chain. 
Um, I obey because I'm a Christian and I'm in prison and I have to obey. Christians have to obey. And I'm a Christian, so I have to obey. It's what we do. This, that, that is adolescent Christianity. And sadly, a lot of um, children brought up in homes where the joy of abiding in Jesus is not apparent. They see the Christian life as a set of rules. They don't see their mom and dad filled with joy. Their house is not filled with laughter. It's all so cheerless because the parents are, they're not abiding in Jesus and experience the joy of living for him. They're grinding it out. Ball and chain. Endure to the end. And that's not the Christian life. Reason, three false reasons to obey and one true one. Ball and chain. Here's another one. Um, electric shock. This is, I obey because I suffer when I don't. Disobey. Uh, ah! Disobey. Uh, ah! And that's how you think it. And there is consequences for sin. And choose to sin what? And I know that that's true. And that's kind of high school obedience. I confess to being a little bit grieved that I've taught you that so well that you have it, have it, have it. Because while that is a reason to obey, and God does certainly lay out consequences for disobedience, there's something a lot better than that. Ball and chain, I obey because I have to. I, or electric shock, I obey because I suffer when I don't. Here's one. Um, the third false reason to obey, uh, boomerang. I obey because I get blessed when I do. I, I get blessed. God's ways are right. I give, I get blessed. I serve, I get blessed. I pray, I get blessed. Spend time with God, I get blessed. Who wants to get blessed? I do. I do these things because I get blessed. Every time I get blessed. I'm going to keep doing it because I like getting blessed. You should do it. You could get blessed too. Is that true? It is true. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I gotta say, I've ha I have some days where I don't wanna get blessed. Some days I'd rather be mad than get blessed. Don't leave me up here. Yeah. Anybody have a day where they'd rather be mad than get blessed? Yeah. Anybody have any days where they'd rather hold on to an offense than get blessed? Yeah. Anybody? I don't, I don't, I don't wanna have to go and humble myself. I think I'll, I've got enough blessing. The only motivation, the only reason for obedience that will sustain me 24-7, 365 for the rest of my life is 2 Corinthians 5.14. The love of Christ compels me. I just find the love of Christ so compelling. And by the way, that's not my love for Christ, which is already we've acknowledged is, can be kind of up and down. That's Jesus' love for me. When I think about my nothing and his everything, when I think about my need and his sacrifice, when I think of his selfless, persevering, patient love with me and, and my complete, undeserving self, Paul said, the love of Christ compels me. 
I have to obey. I, when I think of how much he loves me and has given himself for me, it's my reasonable service, Romans 12 says. It's my reasonable service. That's the reason, that's the reason, that's the biggest, highest, best reason there is, is, is love. All Christian failure is a failure to love. It's a failure to love. How could I not have seen this? All Christian failure is a failure to love. Love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13 says. So if there's failure, there's failure to love. Failure to love Christ back for his perfect, perfect love for me. Say, all right, then fine, 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 fine. Then I don't love as much as I should. Clearly I'm lacking joy. I get it. It's because I'm not bearing fruit, because I'm not abiding, because I'm not obeying. I would obey more if I loved more, but I don't love. Apparently I don't love enough. And that's why it says, no longer do I call you servants, verse 15. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. The secret to loving is it's knowing. It's right there in the text. Jesus says, you're going to not have the love for me that you should have, and that's why I came down here, so y'all would know what I'm about. Everything the Father told me, I've made it known to you. That's what friends do. You're my friends, so I've told you everything that I know. That's what love does. And, and so just think about the implications of this. Just think about how much flows from what's happening right now and what happens in your small group and how much time did you spend alone with the Lord this week. I read the whole uh, upper room uh, discourse uh, again just this morning. I read through all five chapters and wow, he is so awesome and I am so not. Don't you find that the more you know him, the more you love him? Absolutely. Don't you find that the more you know him, the more you love him? All right, so just this then. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide or remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will. I, I thought for sure that would say bear fruit. Can we just change it to say bear fruit? Apparently, the fruitiest fruit, the best fruit, the central fruit, the most awesome fruit is, 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 is love. That's why he summarizes with that. Here's my bottom line. We're going to be loving each other. You're going to be loving each other. I'm going to be praying for that. The more you know me, I can help you fill in your little blanks here because some of you get real hyper if you, if you don't. So we're on conclusion now. I know Jesus. If I know Jesus, I can't help but love him. To know him is to love him. If I abide in his love, I'll obey him. If I obey him, I'll abide in him. That's the essence of it. 
Disobedience breaks fellowship. Confession restores it. If I abide in him, I'll bear fruit. If I bear fruit, these things have I written unto you. Have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Check. I can't make it any clearer than that. That's what I think. That's my understanding of how the Christian life works. So check yourself. Where are you failing? Maybe you just don't spend enough time with the Lord to love him like you should, because if you loved him like you should, you'd obey him. And that's the essence of abiding, which leads to bearing fruit and a ton of joy. So trace it back to the source. Let's take some questions. Why am I stuck in a cycle of abiding for a few days, then falling flat on my face? Um, I really appreciate the honesty of that question. And I would just give you these three words. This is my experience in my Christian life is a discipline, desire, delight. If you're waiting for the desire to spend time with the Lord to break upon you and force you into it the way you feel about that bag of barbecued potato chips in the pantry, that's not coming. All right? First discipline, it's more like working out. A discipline, desire, delight. Discipline, desire, delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. That, you say, I don't, I don't ever feel that. You got to have 30, 60 days of discipline to get to, I can't live without this, desire. And then desire leads to delight. Um, I am married to an unbeliever and prevented from doing many of these things. Will that keep me from having this kind and amount of joy? Boy, what a great question. And let me just say that um, somehow, and I'm sure this is my fault, so I apologize that I have not been clear that um, um, fruit bearing is not a list of things to do. And I don't believe that anyone is married to someone that prevents them from having fellowship with Jesus personally. You can spend time with Jesus. Get up in the middle of the night and do it. You can, spend, you can find time alone to spend with Jesus. And if you do spend time alone with Jesus, you'll love him more and you'll obey him quicker because you're abiding in him and that will produce fruit. And one of the most awesome fruits that you can bear for Jesus is to persevere with the love of Christ in a loveless marriage. If it's not abusive, but just loveless or loveless at times, Jesus Christ wants to love that person through you, and that might be the most awesome fruit that you bear. Okay? Is pruning discipline? Um, well, we said last week that there's two kinds. There's trials, uh, which are difficult circumstances allowed by God to transform my conduct and my character, and then there are consequences for my own bad choices, and usually they're all mixed in together. I can't separate the consequences and the trial, right? It's all in there together. And I would just say that God uses those things together to prune us, to shape us, and I would be very nervous about the person who is uh, going through a hard time, and they think it's all trial. I can just say for myself that I always try to find what is the consequence of my own bad choices, deal with that first, then when you have that kind of behind you and right with the Lord, then he's going to give you the grace for the trial. Get the consequences part of it dealt with. Then he'll give you grace uh, for the trial. Well, let's stand uh, together for prayer. Let's all pray. 
Father, I thank you so much for every person here. Jesus, thank you that you are the head of our church. Thank you that you are um, working uh, your work in us and through us. What a joy it's been uh, today to sing praise to your name and what a complete thrill it has been to hear uh, testimonies of lives changed by the power of the gospel. Father, how we praise you and worship you for um, the joy that it is to just sit under your word and to let it wash over us. Sanctify us by your truth. Jesus prays in John 17, your word is truth. And Father, we thank you that your word is truth about this a priority of love. Would you increase our love for you, Lord? As our knowledge grows, would you uh, not let that inflate us or make us prideful, but would our, our growing knowledge of your word increase our love for you? I pray for the person who's been struggling with a difficult obedience that you would help them to lean in close to you. And Jesus, would you produce the strength uh, to obey through abiding? Would you give us the strength that we need to keep loving, to keep giving, to keep serving, to keep following for another week, for another month in your strength? Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are alive. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you live within us. And uh, we, we love you. And we bless your name for you are good and you are faithful. You are awesome in praises. You are majestic in holiness. You are working wonders. You are the Lord of the harvest. And we pray in this season that you would work a continuing great work through us and through our church. Bind our hearts together in love to one another and to you. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's Word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.